us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, hey! Oh, yeah. It's now time for the last comic shop! Yes, we are opening up the firehouse this week to newbies to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. Yeah, and we're keeping the shop open for the oldies and the randos and whoever else might wander in because they are fans of a licensed property and heard they're making a comic book. And- <laughs> you know, I- I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I'm a fan of licensed comic books. We also got J.A. Scott. He's a fan of licensed comic book. Chad Smith, you're a fan of licensed comic book. And we got even Mikey Wood, and he loves mm. Starios. I think he's the only person that has all those. It's like Starios? Yeah. Yeah, Starios. <laughs> Starios, Starios, Starios. Starios. That sounds like a breakfast cereal. It, it Star- does, doesn't it? So, in any case, uh, we have a Halloween treat for all of our fans out there at the Last Comic Shop podcast that do love licensed comic books. Because I was nice enough to go and get us a guest for this week. Yay! Right? It's the wonderful Eric Burnham, who uh, has written an amazing amount of comic books, especially in the genre of licensed comic books. I don't know if that's a genre, per se, but, like, it's a very popular out there so he's written things like uh gi joe and teenage mutant ninja turtles and godzilla and uh, he's also written ghostbusters which is the reason why i thought it would be awesome to bring him to the last comic shop during the halloween season which is also why we're in a firehouse this week the last <laughs> comic shop is conveniently located that's in tribeca right i think that's where the exteriors the interiors were in the, well, the interiors were in a studio Yes, uh, it is Tribeca, Andrew. Firehouse Hook and Ladder Company 8. Yes. Uh, look at all this technical know-how. Here I was just wondering what all this ectoplasmic goo was. <laughs> Sorry about that. Here, without further ado, we're going to rev off the Archive Rama 3000 and get Eric Burnham on the horn. Who are you going to call Eric Burnham? The Firehouse dates from 1903 Ooh. and uh, is still an active firehouse. It was oh. one of the first ones to respond to the September 11th the interior of the Ghostbusters base was shot in a Los Angeles studio and in Fire Station Number 23, yes. a decommissioned Los Angeles firehouse. Yes. It, it also uh, appeared in the movie Hitch. Four of you, <laughs> for the four of you that saw Hitch. All right, we are here at the last comic shop with Eric Burnham! Yeah! <laughs> I'm, I'm from Minnesota. I'm not comfortable with this kind of enthusiasm. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's Go not so- stoic Midwesternism. It's, That's it. it's all excitement, man. It's so, so silly. It's uh, so great for you to be here at the last comic shop. Thank you so I'm, much for stopping by. I'm happy Eric. to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, as we've talked about on the last comic shop many, many times, uh, licensed comic books are always a great way to get folks into the comic book tent because, again, they know about these characters from movies, television shows, what have you, and then they find like that there's a comic book with these characters, and they're like, "Man, I'll pick it up and I'll read it," and from there they end up not only liking that particular comic book, but it just you know expands their mind to the mm-hmm. uh, wonderful universe of comic books available to them. And I know that all of us in the last comic shop, we were all huge fans of licensed comic books when we were growing up, whether it was Star Wars or Masters of the Universe or Thundercats or mm. G.I. Joe. Eric, I got to ask, 
Were you a fan of licensed comic books growing up? Were you a fan of comic books in general, I guess? I, I was. I mean, uh, comic books were around me from an early age. My my dad had a collection before I was born that was still around. My grandpa always had comics for the grandkids when they came over. So, I mean, I was exposed to it and, you know, it was love at first sight. I've, I've always lived in kind of uh, remote locations, at least uh, locations without a comic shop. So when they were available in... Uh, you know, newsstands and 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 uh, gas stations and such like that. I would find whatever was available, and that's what I would read. And licensed comics were one of the most readily available. Do you have any that stick out to you as like early favorites? Oh, I always like the movie adaptations. You know, Whoa. here's here's the Ninja Turtles from 1990, the adaptation, or Batman, or you know, in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just you know, here's here's 64 pages in the entire movie that you can go back to and flip through mm-hmm. and enjoy. So yeah, I love that. Nice. Oh, those are great. Cool. We we remember. I remember picking Jerry Ordway's brain about the Batman adaptation because the ending was different. It's a lost art form nowadays. Like they don't really do a lot of licensed movie tie-ins, and that's sad because I feel like there's an opportunity for folks. But you're you're doing a great job of kind of filling that gap a little bit here. Any other particular characters that you were a fan of back in the day? I mean, it was always Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> always my favorite. Yes. Oh, man. Do you remember your first Spider-Man issue? I I, I know that I had some from my dad's comic collection. Uh, I don't remember specifically those. The one I most specifically remember reading over and over when I was five or six years old was a Marvel Tales reprint of uh, a Stan and Steve Ditko issue, uh, Spidey Strikes Back. I think it was Amazing 19. Oh, so yes. that's that. That's the one I remember. It was the uh, it was the Enforcers, the Sandman, Human Torch. I had no idea what any of this stuff was, other than hey, that's Spider Man. <laughs> I don't know what the rest of this stuff is, but it's cool. Man, we are kindred spirits here, Sarah, yeah. because my first one that I can remember is it's hanging on my wall is a Mar- Marvel Tales reprint of Amazing Spider Man number six. With, uh, mm-hmm. with Spider-Man versus the Lizard. So we were in that same wheelhouse, sir. That oh, yes. is yeah. awesome. Nice. So, so you went from, uh, you know, from, from being a comic books fan to, to going into and, and doing comic books as a, a career. Now, I did say that you did some other things before eventually you got into comic books. You were a radio DJ, I think. You, you were in a video store, which I think helps you out with some of the yeah, uh, some of the the licensed materials that you got now. But how did you break into comics? Now, I kind of still know the story, but I'll let yeah. you tell the story for all of our fans. I'll try. I'll try and and uh, break it down as uh, concisely as I can. And it started off with when I was laid off from radio. Um, I started just being on the internet a lot more, on message boards a lot, chatting with people on the old. Uh, dearly departed uh, AOL Instant Messenger. We were all g- grouped together talking about comics. And the thing that came up a lot was several people in the group would go, these books suck. We could do better. We could do better than Marvel or DC. Finally, some guy said, why don't you guys put your money where your mouth is? And we put together an anthology. The Shooting Star Comics anthology is the first thing I ever did. And then that turned into a uh, independent company for a couple of years. And uh, we published uh, Tom Waltz's first comics work, which was Children of the Grave. IDW wanted to uh, publish the collection. So Tom got the collection published at IDW, got to know those folks, became an editor, and reached out to me because he was a fan of the uh, the Nick Landine, the comedy stories that I wrote for Shooting Star. Okay. He asked if I wanted to pitch for a horror book, Gene <laughs> Simmons' House of Horrors. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so I pitched a couple ideas. Um, I, I sold one. I got that. The next thing he said is, uh, I have this thing that, that nobody else wants. It's a toy that's coming out. It's a tie-in comic. 
I did that. Afterwards, he says, do you like the A-Team? Yeah, I love the A-Team. Cool. Do you want to write some A-Team comics? Uh, so I, I split those. Uh, they, they had uh, Chuck Dixon on, on um, Hannibal and Face, and I got to write B.A. and Murdoch. The fun yeah, ones. The fun ones. And then from there, it went to... Um, I was I knew they had the Ghostbusters license. I was bugging Tom about pitching them. They let me pitch something just as a, uh, you know, to get it pre-approved in case they decided to do more. They were doing the holiday one-shots at that time. And it was 2009. January 2010, he he uh, called and said, hey, do you want to do the, this? we're doing this thing called Infestation. It's like a not crossover where we have a common thread running through a bunch of books, but they don't actually cross over with each other. Would you like to write the Ghostbusters one? Yes, I would. I would absolutely <laughs> like to. And uh, I, I, and it was it was so well received. He uh, called me and said, you know, put together a pitch for an ongoing. I want to do an ongoing. IDW approved it. Nobody else at IDW thought it would run more than four issues. We got ten years. And it's a great book too. It was. It was. It, I'm trying not to like. I'm a big fan. Yeah. It's so right. It's so perfect. And I was going to ask you about that because with the, with the Ghostbusters book in particular, um, they had made attempts to do a Ghostbusters comic a few times prior to your coming on, but they never quite got the voices right. But you really do. You really get the character voices right. And even people like Janos and even when they when they kind of wander in and, and, and think... Was that just kind of a natural thing for you from from exposure, or or did you really have to work on it? Do you do you bounce it off people, or or the talent that I have is I have an ear and a memory for for vocal tics in in some cases and cadence and and so on. And um, part of it is that, and the rest of it was that I moved around a lot growing up, so I watched a lot of TV. You know, new school don't know anybody. Well, I'm just going to stay home and watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I watched a ton of stuff and a lot of movies and a lot of movies. Well, in the case of Ghostbusters, with the Saturday Night Live guys, mm-hmm. so their mm-hmm. voices, even when we're not talking about uh, Peter Venkman, well, I've seen you know uh, two dozen Bill Murray movies and a bunch of interviews on on late night shows and stuff like that. I got a pretty good idea how he talks and the word choices he uses, which makes the the quote unquote ad libbing easier. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get a better idea in the middle of a story. It's very, it's very cool. It's very impressive, and that's yeah. a, you know. And then one, when when Dan Shonen came in on that book, it was just this marriage that was just like, yeah. I was going to say too. One thing that you seem to be to be a master of with all these different uh, licensed properties is you were really great at coloring inside the lines. A lot of times, people will take over a franchise, and you know they don't have the character voices down. You not only have the character voices down, but you know with things like Ghostbusters, with things like that GI Joe Saturday Morning Adventures, boy, it just felt pitch perfect between the stories you're telling, the pacing that you're using. And so, one of my questions before we dive into more in depth stuff is like, how much time did you spend sitting around in Minnesota watching cartoons and and movies and like? <laughs> uh a, a lot i uh with, with something like gi joe my brother was was uh my brother was the gi joe fan and he watched those things non-stop so okay. I, would, I would overhear i would i would watch it too because uh, you know i mean that was we had the one tv a lot of those great voice actors popped up in so many shows that it was easy to get the vocal cadence that mm-hmm. way like chris latta you know gi yeah. joe oh, and yeah. transformers yeah and married with children oh yeah there but i just <laughs> uh yeah, I, I will. I will refresh myself. If it's not something I remember really well. Uh, you know, I watched a couple episodes of, of GI Joe just to make sure I had you know Bazooka's voice. I would not have. I would not have remembered that uh, as well as I remember you know uh, Duke or, or Cobra Commander or Destro. I, I go by memory on most of them. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, it's, but you know, it's impressive. And yeah. even yeah. like you did the the Marvel uh, action Spider Man stuff, and it felt like pitch perfect Spider Man. Like, oh boy, it was so much fun. I wish I could have written more. <laughs> 
Um, do you have I, Do you have any uh, on your wish list? If they decided to, you I, I mean, like, you know, I, I can't think of anything that is an active property that I haven't already gotten a chance to play with. I mean, not that I wouldn't play with it again, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, Thundercats or Silverhawks or uh, oh. Centurions. No, oh my God, oh, there you, you go. Know, Power. I stream. was thinking things exactly. like Chuck Norris. Oh man, you know, oh, I, I, get you so on I, a Thundar book. That's what I want. That, oh God, Thundar's rights are um, are very difficult. I know that uh, an editor who used to be over at IDW, Denton Tipton. He really wanted to get the rights of Thundar, and just to, they wow. couldn't get it to happen for whatever reason. It's it just it's a it's a complicated myriad of rights. So you know who do you go to? Yeah. So that, that brings that brings to mind a question of of how much guidance or uh, I hazard to say interference or oversight by the by the license holders do you get? I understand Toho's notoriously particular um and you did you you, you're working on the godzilla book you did the godzilla book uh are there are there some that are just kind of more easygoing and some that are more stricter it depends on how active the property is okay i I was doing some uh, short stories for a uh a uk magazine for the 2012 ninja turtles Hmm. the show was on the air and i pitched an eight-page story and there was a joke about bigfoot in there and they said we don't know if we can do this because next year is in the next calendar year (laughs) As in 11 months away, we're doing an episode with Bigfoot. So we don't know if we can let you do this joke. Oh, boy. They don't want any too many contradictions. Some are more than others. If it's a, a less active property, like with uh, when we were doing Ghostbusters, you know, years before they started doing the movies again, it was don't do this, this or this. And we didn't do those things, and they let us do pretty much everything else. That's, I have so, a ton of questions about some of the stuff you're able to do in Ghostbusters, but okay. uh, my man Jay Scott has some process questions he's been holding on to. So uh, ahead of our interview, I went to your great website, burnamania.com, and you have this great scripting method sample script page on your website that mm-hmm. basically takes the reader through how you go about writing a script. And you mentioned right at the top that it is considered weird a lot of people hear your method and they think it's weird so my first question is why do they think it's so weird i thought it was nice i thought it was a little in depth though it seemed like you were doing yeoman's work a lot of the time i mean (laughs) there's i think eight parts or seven parts to it It, you Mm -hmm. know you've got Mm -hmm. basically uh you plot and then you break it down and then you have a generation pass and then you put in the sprockets where you start to script and then you go back and and you read again and you start to put in like stage directions. So talk us through your script process for those who are listening to this on their walk and and, or drive. (laughs) It's, it's, it's not quite as complicated as it seems. It's just more complicated to explain with images in detail, but I, I do plot out the story in general because I have to get it approved. Uh, I, I, I included that just because, you know, most of the stuff I write has to go through approvals. Um, and then, yeah, uh, once I have the framework, I will write the story and the, I will just write either the dialogue, you know, here's, here's what so-and-so says backslash. That's the end of a panel, new comment backslash, or I'll write the action beats, you know, Donatello punches shredder backslash ow. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it goes faster, uh, just, you know, having that little bit. And once I have that down and get to the end of it, I'll make it formatted, you know, so panel one is clearly labeled panel one. I have all the instructions that the artist will need to draw the panel. I put that in there that I keep it into my head until, mm-hmm. you know, until this part of the thing, I'll change the dialogue as necessary. I'll move the panels around as necessary. This page has too many. This page doesn't have enough. This page doesn't need this many, so on. 
and and then that's the end of the first draft. 90% of the time, the notes come back pretty light, you know, some some things uh, that the editors suggest, you know, that they would like different or consider different just for their for their own, you know, uh, sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's approved right away, which I regret if I spot something later that I wanted to change. <laughs> okay. I, I, I've sent stuff off before, like, oh, I'll, I'll fix those when I get the notes back and then no notes come back. Mm. Um, <laughs> well, um, one of the great things we do on this show is we talk to writers, we talk to artists. Oftentimes we're talking to them separately <laughs> and we talk to them about process because simply put, there's a lot of different ways that you can do what you guys do. Mm-hmm. Like the the writer does the, their part, the penciler does this part, even the inker and then the colorist and all this other stuff. And so always the first question I have for artists is like, do you get full scripts? Like, do you like getting full scripts? Do you like mm-hmm. getting partial scripts? Do you like doing Marvel method where you do all the work and then somebody comes in and fills in all the word bubbles? Mm-hmm. I, I guess from your perspective and the way that you script based on what you just said, I guess you work a lot with Dan. So Dan's probably used to it, but like, uh, how do they how do they take your script are they like wow this is a lot or is this not a lot what, what, what's it's, it? it's a, well i mean first off if it's licensed it has to be approved so it has to be a full script okay you can't do the marvel method with uh with licensed stuff because they'll say well what are you going to do here i can't approve it unless i know okay so yeah it, it has to be done like that and sometimes the panels especially with dan the panels will simply say something like focus on winston and he and he he holds the panel on Winston. And if it needs if there needs to be an emotion, I'll add that in there. I don't like to over art direct because I, I started out having to draw stuff myself, and it drove me nuts if other people would do that. <laughs> um, right. So I, I try not to, but I uh, you know if 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 it's something that I really need to be specific, then I'll you know I'll go over more. But uh, the thing that I find is easiest as far as everything is you keep one page of comic script to one page of comic. So if you have a lot of panel description, that eats up a lot of space and you have less room for dialogue. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to have word balloons covering something that you just spent made somebody spend a day drawing. And um, if if there's less panel description, there's less or no backgrounds, then you know it's loaded up with words because I try to keep it as easy as possible. And some artists will, Dan, uh, again, I gave him one uh, page, a splash page. All I asked for... This was a uh, Ghostbusters International, uh, I think number seven. They went to Ireland. All I asked for was Walter Peck pointing. But nothing in the background, Dan. Just a just a color background. He's just pointing, and there's a lot. He drew an airport. He drew every single tile on the ceiling. He drew, you know, he drew pe- pedestrians, but passersby behind him. He drew all this stuff. And I'm did like, he do that on purpose? He did, he, he, could, <laughs> he couldn't he could like, help himself. I told you to do this. He couldn't help like, himself. Uh-uh, I'm gonna do all this it's... detail. How about this? He, yep, yeah. he, he will draw, this he will draw more. He and, and you, were, you always had really good colorists on that book too. Like I, I know Andrew Harmon. Andrew Harmon did one or two issues of of, of Ghostbusters somewhere along the mm-hmm. line, but the, but it, it was always so lush and so be- like it's just a beautiful book. That's just a, a shout out to Luis Antonio Delgado. Oh. He started out with Ghostbusters and he has only gotten bigger and better. He's working on a million turtle books now. Last Ronin, he colored that. Oh, oh, yeah. uh, I don't think he realizes how good he is. Just I'm it's, so lucky to continue working with both of those guys. Yeah, it looks like animation cells. Like it doesn't yeah. even look like like comic art. Dan, yeah. Dan comes from animation, so he makes it. Yeah, make sure that Louis colors it the right way. <laughs> uh, you mentioned it 
very quickly in passing, but that was one thing that I pulled out from that page was the one page of script equals mm -hmm. one page of the comic. That way mm -hmm. you make sure that you haven't lost a page and, oh, yep. I forgot to send you the, the last bit of dialogue. And they're like, well, I just re I have to redraw the entire page then because I'm missing yep. a panel. Yep, so exactly. I, I thought, you know, regardless of somebody getting into comics, that was something that I think you could pull out and, and almost apply to anybody's method was sort of that one page of script equals one page of comic. I mean, yeah. some some folks really subscribe to the, uh, you know, I guess Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, you know, that they, their 20 page comic script is 70 pages long or which I, I exaggerate, but probably not by much. Anyway, it is they, they include they include everything and you can get a lot out of an artist that way, but also it can be a slog to read if you need to get going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, I just, I, I want, I want it to be everything to be as, as, as fast as possible. So, you know, it, it doesn't eat up life. As, as <laughs> yeah. Chad said, there's a great pacing and a crispness to your pacing. I was just wondering whether or not that was like, was that something that you kind of picked up yourself? Yeah. Well, well one of the things that I was lucky to do, early on was I got to ghostwrite some adaptations, some novels to comics. Mm -hmm. So you have this many issues of comics, you have this novel, make it fit. <laughs> um, so I, I, I got to do a few of those. I also, the first project that I ever got paid for that would have had my name on it, the, the publisher just found out that they, the book that I had uh, adapted was not public domain everywhere yet. <laughs> um, it was a Princess of Mars. So the first John Carter book, and I had 64 pages to translated over and it's it's uh it's really good work for being uh being able to cut things down and anthology work as well you have eight pages to tell a story mm -hmm. make make it fit make it make sense mm -hmm. well that means that it's just so much easier to cut and condense and make make things fit well in a longer story you know the the little work that some folks uh don't want to do anymore i i, I recommend you know, doing short stories, and I recommend for writers, if it's never seen by anybody, to draw a story themselves so that they can see. You cannot write panel one, guy walks into a bar, looks around at everybody, passes them, goes right. to the back of the bar, <laughs> right, panel right. two. You know, I mean, it doesn't work mm -hmm. that way. And so I've seen scripts like that. Uh, you know, that was panel one of seven. These are these are things I recommend when people ask me for advice at comic conventions or whatever. Thing, adapting something short into a into a comic strip, seeing if you can do it, make it make sense. That's good practice. Doing a short story, that's good practice. It, uh, makes it easier down the line. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then yeah. we're going to be right back with more of this interview with Eric Burnham right after these commercial breaks. We're going to be talking about Ghostbusters in time for the Halloween season. Oh my! So stay <laughs> for more of the last comic shop. <laughs> Hi, it's Carlo Calentuan, last comic shop podcast listener and comic book tragic here in the Philippines. My boy. When I'm in the U.S., I'm always on the lookout for a good deal on boards, bags, boxes, and all other manner of comic book-related supplies. And that's why I love to go to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off of all my orders. Not only do I get a discount on everything I buy at BCW, but I'm able to support the podcast when I use LCSPOD at checkout. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head over to bcwsupplies.com and use the promo code LCSPOD. Oh, and guys, I'm still waiting for that trusted review. Come on, when is it? It was supposed to be a day at the beach. But for four friends, one wrong road will put them on a direct course. 
to being the main course. Her name is Grandma Hazel, a chainsaw-wielding psychopathic cannibal, a beast of the backwoods with a body count higher than a bowl of blood-spattered scotch mints. From the creators of Pocus Pocus. Grandma Chainsaw. Evil as a perv. Burnham here on the last comic shop, and he is going to talk about Ghostbusters. Well, we're going to force we're going to force him to. We're going to force him to because this, right. this is October. Right. I mean, he did a lot of other comic books, but he like sure you out there are probably going to watch Ghostbusters or the real Ghostbusters or something maybe this Halloween season. And mm -hmm. so we've got the guy that wrote like tons and tons of issues of a comic series that you can go and pick up at your local comic book shop today. I believe it's the longest solo run on that property since that property existed. Yeah. I know the now yeah. comic was around for a, for a chunk of time, but that was real Ghostbusters and different writers. So that's mm -hmm. pretty cool. So um, I th we touched base a little bit in the previous segment about like how you got kind of sort of involved with Ghostbusters. But like, I want to really touch base on how you got John Belushi's Blues Brother character show up in that first issue. What was your thought process about that? Legally think? speaking, that is not John Belushi. <laughs> <laughs> Just a ghost in a suit. Just a ghost in a suit. No, I, I gave some strong hints to Dan about what I would like for the spirit guy to look like, and that seemed the obvious choice, and nobody said no. Okay. Which Very cool. They, they, they have said no because Dan also loves Easter eggs. You know, so sometimes something would pop up, and they would be like, Dan, this, no, <laughs> you have to redraw this. You have to remove this. This can't be there um oh, no. but uh but for the most part it's 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 all been good and and yeah i just we 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 like we like references we like mm -hmm. uh making things feel fun and there was a a subtle uh, uh thread in the 80s of 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 in jokes towards other movies right i mean mm -hmm. you see it all the time but you would see it uh, you know um trading places and and coming to america something like that mm -hmm. uh and and as far as pop culture goes it's it's just uh it feels natural there you go. And I have to ask before we move away from this subject, mm -hmm. uh, the Chicago Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. Chevy Chase is a Ghostbuster. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> how did you guys right? get that's, away with that? That's uh, Chevy Chase, right? Uh, and it's, it's like it, jerk again, Chevy Chase. It's, Legally, it's, Dan drew something that it's it's the hat and, and the inspector gadget <laughs> hair, I think, that <laughs> makes it resemble Chevy more than anything. But the. He 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 drew it based on the voice that I had, and then when I saw the design, I leaned into it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the um, shirt you have him in the Chevy Chase T-shirt, like you guys were not hiding that. That that again, I'm, I I I don't want to blame Dan, but that was Dan. That was Dan with the Easter egg. <laughs> um, he he would sneak some of the, and if nobody said no, then you know it was fine. I hope as 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 satire and parody, but Saturday Night Live, uh, Second City. Right. Ethos was was mined pretty heavily. We we tried to uh, defer to that when we could. Yeah, no, and it, it well it fits because when I'm yeah. I was reading the the story and I saw Ron show up and he and and they're all keeping him at like arms distance and they're like yeah we don't really like you too much. It was kind of like the way that like again a lot of the members of the original Saturday Night cast like felt mm -hmm. towards Chevy Chase because he again. He was notorious mm. for kind of sort of being a jerk yeah. wad. So <laughs> that <laughs> the, 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 was was there was there anything that you ever because you know as you mentioned before 
it goes through approvals. Was there anything that you wrote that you were like, they are never going to let this fly, and they did? There was a lot of stuff that I thought they were going to tell me no. Uh, yeah. a, a lot of jokes that I, I didn't think would get passed that 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 sailed through. Um, there were a couple of things that they told me no for to start, but later on let me do. For example, at the beginning of the ongoing series, they said no Slimer. We got Slimer in the second issue because we didn't mm-hmm. treat him like the real Ghostbusters. Good. No, no Dana and no Lewis. So we didn't get them for for uh, for a while, but we did eventually get around to them when they saw, okay, we're not going to do something that's awful. But what was the reasoning? Was, for, uh, they never told me their reasoning. To. They just told me no. I thought that maybe the original contract might have just included characters that appeared in the video game, which they okay, didn't. okay, uh, that yeah. could have been what it was. <clears throat> and and anytime we added another, you know, if we add character from another Ghostbusters, there had to be new contracts, which I was not aware of. <laughs> Uh-huh. Cool. So new things, so, new things had to be drawn up and, and done, and yeah. Well, I, I wanted to start off because you mentioned the video game, and my connection to your Ghostbusters son actually happened when I was uh, moonlighting at a video game store, and one of my buddies that worked there was not a comic book fan, but he was into Ghostbusters, and so he would have me pick up the Ghostbusters comics at my local comic shop, mm-hmm. and then bring them to the store, and you know, and then pay me for them, and he would take them. So I got to read a ton of your books for free. It was awesome. Well, good, you know that's. <laughs> but um. I mean, but, they're still paid for. It's fine. Yeah. 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 No, it, it. he was a huge fan. And uh, so I, when I we found out we were going to interview you, I was like, hey, do you have any questions? And so mm-hmm. one of his questions that he had was, when you were dealing with Ghostbusters, how hard was it to harmonize what was going on with the canon of the movies, with the video game, you guys brought in the rookie, uh, mm-hmm. all that stuff, and then sync that up with your stories? Like, what was that process like? We were allowed a lot of leeway. We were told the things that we couldn't do, at least right away. Stay away from that stuff. Also, you know, the things like don't don't give them any family members. So Peter's mother could not come in. The that was that was a, an element. The um, the first story that I pitched when those when I, I talked about earlier when they were doing the uh, the one shots and I pitched a Ghostbusters story just you know to have one ready. That was that was the story, the Ghostbusters story. That was the thing that I pitched. And instead of Egon's lost friend, it was I, th- I think it was Peter's mother. Uh, was was uh, was a thing that we were uh, we were going to do, and they said, "Okay, you can't do this, you can't do this." And and when when I went back to it, you know, a couple of years later to do this story, that's that's a thing I did. So um, I took some things from the video game, and I didn't take others. I, I know a lot of people think that they consider the uh, the video game Ghostbusters three, mm-hmm. which Ivan didn't, and that was okay. his word. His word was like, "Goes this is this is not Ghostbusters three. This this was not a thing." So. Yeah, and he said that at a panel at Comic Con. So, um, but uh, so we we took what we wanted to from that. We took what we wanted to from other you know, Ghostbusters iterations. Um, for example, uh, Kylie showed up as Ray's employee. Uh, right. It was just it was just going to be a random character, and uh, and it was suggested by uh, I believe Tristan Jones. He says it's got to be Kylie. It needs to be Kylie. This this is who it should be. I'm like, all right, well, mm-hmm. bring her we in. Had and- so many different aspects between real Ghostbusters and extreme mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, and every iteration eventually gets yeah. put into the pot that you're mixing together. Exactly. So it it was just a matter of what do you want to cherry pick? What do you want to use? And how can you make that work to the satisfaction of Ghost Corps? Uh, you know. Don't do it this way. You know, this is fine. Uh, and, and so, so that's what we did. And, uh, they, they were happy with it a lot. It just allowed us to, to get things to the eventual goal of getting somewhere near 
Aykroyd's original idea for the Ghostbusters, the telephone sized script where mm-hmm. Stay Puff shows up in the first 10 minutes. And it yeah. just, you know, <laughs> they go between, you know, interdimensions, time and space and all this mm-hmm. stuff. That's where we eventually got. I mean, it was just it was a longer road. And the the nice thing is, while this was a dormant property up until basically up until um, the most recent movie that uh, Jason Reitman directed, we were the canon. This is what it was until a new movie came out and said it wasn't. And that's how it always is with with uh, with licensed properties. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they will they will consider what what a license, what a novel does or a comic does. They will consider that as what happened in the property until unless a movie or TV show comes mm-hmm. along and says, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing and, it. And this even way. incorporated the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, which everybody knows about the reaction to that. I thought it was a fine movie. It was uh, a fine movie. Well, it well, what it was with that was Paul Feig had had a different. Uh, concept for it and he didn't view the ghostbusters as the lore which a lot right. of fans he viewed it as mm-hmm. here are some very funny people here are some ghosts and the ghosts are the prop that the funny people use to make comedy mm-hmm. looking at it under that lens that's what it was that's the movie he made and it was yeah it was a, a lot of fun under that lens looking at it under the lens of the lore it, it didn't work because you know it didn't it didn't include everything else and that's mm-hmm. what some of the fans were irritated with and then other ones just you know their their fandom is is discord so i mean yeah. Yeah. well i, I, I was gonna ask too did, did you have like a little chip on your shoulder after you would work with those characters be like no this is how you do it because you had managed to interweave everything so well mm-hmm. i you know with the lord it felt like you know you were satisfying the ghostbusters fan base and, and oh, servicing mean- those characters as well the problem with working on the characters for so long is, yeah, I'm going to go to see the movie and go, I wouldn't have done it that way. Mm-hmm. And I can't help that. That said, their way is not wrong. Jason's way was not wrong. Their approach was not wrong. I just wrote these uh, characters for so long. They've been in my head so long that, yeah, I can't not have that. I would have done it differently moment. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to go through and 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 uh, rant and rave about it being uh, wrong. It's just uh, different than I would have done. And I, I had that same feeling watching a show earlier this week, watching it go, mm, that's not how I would write it. And it just bugged <laughs> me. And I said, I can mm-hmm. never talk about this online because what it will be read as is I hate the show. I right. hate everybody who made mm-hmm. it. I hate everybody who watched it. I hate everybody who heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so you're um, describing Dan Slott Spider-Man for me. A oh, wonderful see, yeah. guy, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, like, well, no, but oh, that's fair. It's completely yeah. fair. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they were swimming around in your head. You, yeah. you had yeah, your so, own head. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's fine. So, that yeah, sort yeah. of feeds into what I was going to ask you, because you, you through this book, you've done something miraculous. OK, you managed to make Ghostbuster fans happy. Like, <laughs> you know, Ghostbuster fans, you're either kind of a ghost or you're all in and they will argue about the placement of a ladder on the ecto one and the mm-hmm. sequence that the lights blink on the pat like they will get into minutia to the mm-hmm. point where like and and fandom as we know because of the online thing fandom has become very toxic with a lot of people because they're the yeah. ones with the bigger mouths you know but you yeah. how satisfying is it to get positive feedback from people that are deep into this like they they love it I, there's there's nothing about somebody enjoying a story you wrote that isn't good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, people who, you know, just messages, letters, notes, emails. I was reading this while someone was in the hospital. It made me feel better. Thank you. Kids, I love this. This is great. I love these characters. Somebody else. I never read comics before. I got into it. You know, all this stuff. It, it makes me happy. And then I go to Reddit. <laughs> no, oh, God. No, no, no. Well, I go to Reddit. Never go to Reddit. Never go to Reddit. Reddit and Goodreads. No. You, you punish yourself by Reddit and Goodreads. But no, I... um. You want to stare uh, even, into the abyss? That's even fine. even on Reddit, I've had some compliments, so I can't even say that. But I mean, it's just I I, I appreciate it, and I'm I'm happy that I did something that 
affected them positively. Now, to piggyback off the the Reddit ideology here, (laughs) um, I'm curious because your prep work, when you were writing your Ghostbusters stories, you you managed that delicate balance of comedy and horror. And, you know, it did feel just like the movies. But I'm wondering with your prep work, how much prep work did you have to do to achieve that balance? And in particular, did you ever meet a real life race dance? Like I'm not talking Dan Aykroyd, but yeah. you know. Yes. Yeah. No. There, there, there have been many. Uh, when I when I do a signing or a convention, uh, some of those folks will come up with with either um, things that I didn't get 100 percent exactly right, <laughs> or things that I changed, or or what have you. And they would talk very fast, and you know they would they would say their piece, and uh, you know that they they would they would leave. I um. I've I've only a couple of times met the type who who come up just to complain and then they won't leave once they're done complaining. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I don't know what you want me to do. The book is out. Nothing is changing. Um, and they would just say, well, you know. And I just just half an hour later, buddy, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go away. He's, no, wait, for the he's most waiting part. for his grilled cheese cut and yeah. diagonally yeah. and put yeah. on in front of him. It, you know, I I just no. It's it's the 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 negativity has been very minor and 99 percent of the time. Uh, or, or even the, the, the race dance behavior, 99% of the time has been online. So, you know, I would get a block of text. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I, you know, there's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's passion more than antagonism. You know, you've talked about, uh, being in conventions and things with Ivan. Have you had any other interactions with the Ghostbusters cast or writers or what was that like? What were, what were their reactions to your comments? Uh, honestly, I, there, I've only met one other person, uh, Technically, too. We uh, Dan and I had a short conversation with Maurice Lamarche at at the Ghostbusters Fan Fest in 2019. Uh, the only other person besides Ivan that I met was um, I can't I remember his actual name Walter Peck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. William Atherton. Pe- Thank Atherton. you, William Atherton. Why? Lovely man. Good so, enough. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I, one last thing, uh, courtesy from my pal Jamie. Mm. Um, so. You've had not just the the comic books, you have been involved in a ton of other media soirees with things like the Ghostbusters property, mm-hmm. including things like cookbooks, including things like the Cryptozoic game. And mm-hmm. Jamie, I uh, want to know if you're ever in town, do you want to play the ca- a campaign of the Cryptozoic miniatures game with somebody who has all the Kickstarter sets and all the additional uh, expansions <laughs> and all the other versions? That, that but, might be fun because I've never actually played the game. I have it, but I don't have anybody to play games with. Aww. My 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 friends and family do not play board games, so I have never actually sat down and learned how to play because I I have I have no one to play. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, Were it you, looks fun. Yeah, the miniatures are awesome. That's the part yeah. I saw. It was it was very exciting to see characters that we created uh, made into miniatures. It was also fun because uh, for for a while there there was a um, puzzle a match game you know like that Marvel mm-hmm. Quest or Puzzle mm-hmm, Quest right? had one of Ghostbusters and they used several of our characters in that. Oh wow! Which it, it, it I mean you know it only lasted a little while and uh, then there was a, there was there was another a um, fighting game kind of like Pokemon Go that mm-hmm. that didn't last as long because it was like a gig <laughs> so oh, it was it was a huge huge game i'm like this game is fun i can't i need to get it off my phone i, I don't want to delete pictures yeah. but, um, <laughs> it was it was it was just neat in both of those uh both of those situations to see stuff that dan and louise and i came up with realized nice. by somebody else it was it was so much fun so i mean i was i was psyched to have that with the game I, i'm psyched whenever somebody sends me a picture of a modified toy or cosplay mm-hmm. Uh, that always makes me happy and just kind of, you know, it's, it's flattering that somebody cares enough about something that we made up that isn't connected to the, uh, 
the main movie canon. Is there? I, I presume it's part of the contract, but is there, is there likeness rights and things like that? Like I, I know Yonosh has a mustache. Was that because of likenesses, or was that just it's something you wanted to add for fun because it looked great on him? But they, uh, you know, yeah, there there are likeness rights. Yeah, that's why the characters look like Peter Venkman and not Bill Murray. Right, more right. Or less. They're you know, just so close enough. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, Dan. Dan went a long way, and and Dan's what he leans toward is making it look. I mean, if you've ever seen him draw the Ghostbusters looking like the actors, they are dead on, and he mm-hmm. would prefer to do it that way because he loves referencing and and uh, drawing in in that manner. But um, it's just easier if we don't have to get approvals because yeah. they would have to approve every single panel, and every single one of them would have to approve every single panel. Oh, um, but his that, style is so distinctive and like you know who those characters are and oh, like yeah. I, i'll admit it took me a minute or two to adapt to it because i'm like oh this is really cartoony and like mm-hmm. but no like once you get into it mm-hmm. boy it hits on on so many levels and plus with all the horror stuff going on and all the ghosts and everything like yeah. it, it's so multi-leveled uh, i, I love the art in that book the last question and this one's for me okay. one of the things we do on the podcast we do recommendations is there a particular Ghostbusters story that you personally would recommend that's your personal baby that you're like, ah, that was where we were firing on all cylinders? Problem with that is some of them aren't necessarily as impactful without reading other stuff. I might say crossing over because we got to play with all the toys, mm-hmm. but that doesn't work as well without meeting, reading Mass Hysteria. It doesn't have the, the punch at the end. Mm-hmm. So I think probably what I would say is um, the second art, the uh, most magical place on Earth where they go to the amusement park. And okay, Peter okay. exercises himself. That gives a, that gives a pretty yeah. good idea with with what the Ghostbusters do and 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 how they're about. So yeah, the first or second trade would probably be the the best one to start with. Well, we are we'll be right back with the, uh, wrapping up the last comic shop for today and our talk with Eric Burnham. So we will be right back with uh, stuff he's working on now. So stay tuned. What happens when 20-something Madison is zapped into old-time radio shows? No technology. Ugh, I want to go to voicemail. No Starbucks. Don't call yourself a coffee shop if you only sell drip coffee. And no one is PC. I don't need no lip from... Were you about to say woman? Because I'm wearing a gun and I have no idea how to use it. Madison on the Air serves to highlight the way we were and the way we are today with original radio drama scripts adapted to include the modern-day Madison as she joins famous characters from radio's past, including Sergeant Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. I've never actually said that. Marshal Matt Dillon. We're not having a shootout with a 10-year-old kid. I'm too woke to be a part of this. Superman. I didn't realize how cold it would be flying like this. I have to get into the higher atmosphere. And many more. Visit us on the web at madisonontheair.com or find us pretty much any place podcasts can be found. You talk so old-timey. I have no idea what you said, but it's adorbs. You know what I think? This world we're in right now is the fairy tale. And what's really real is on the other side. Ramsey, mechanic by day, aspiring comic book creator by night, went into the woods and tripped. He was bombarded by bizarre and mysterious glyphs that he drew into his sketch pad and onto the body of his muse, Regina. Oh, Groovy, your art is crawling all over me. Shit, what is going on with you? What's going on with you? All of a sudden, you're a complete drip, baby. Maybe you need another limb to the head! Bloom, written and created by Ted Sikora, with art by Butch Mappa. Mappa. Mm. Uh. How are you feeling, Ramay? 
You've never experienced a story so astonishing, astonishing. so far out and away from the beaten, from the path. beaten path. Where in the f am I? Blast off with Blue, the origin of a prophet. Order yours at herotomorrow.com. Coming back, my question, I guess, is what do you have upcoming? Um, what can people look forward to? What can you talk about? I'm sure there's some stuff that you've got on the down low until it drops. But uh, what can we expect from you in the next uh, six weeks, two years? Yeah, mostly the stuff that I am 100% sure is on my plate and coming out is Ninja Turtle related. There is the Saturday Morning Adventures. I'm just now writing issue 10. And um, I've gotten to do a lot of weird stuff with that. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about issue eight just because I'm so proud of this ridiculous. There was the character uh, from the cartoon series that was called Mr. Og. Okay. Mr. Og was basically Mr. Mixie Spitalik filtered okay. through Pee Wee Herman. Ah. That's what he was. And he was in the show and he did all the stuff that you would expect from that character. And I said, he would be fun to use. They said, well, you can't have him come off like Pee Wee Herman and you can't have him come off too much like Mixie Spitalik. How would you approach that? I said, can I have him come off like Q? So mm. I had him come off like like Q and I brought him in and he, he brings the turtles into a trial and he's putting them on trial for breaking the fourth wall. Now, only only a certain few can do it. Then he, you know, he blames names some characters behind censored signs was the idea oh, nice. I had that I don't know if we're going to do. But I mean, you know, it's just the obvious characters. He goes, so you can't do it. So he puts them on trial. And it's just it's just a bunch of breaking the fourth wall that I had a ridiculous amount of fun with. So uh, I, I like I like the the ability to do that. Thanks to that cartoon got got so wacky. I was watching one episode and Raphael literally said, what are you leaving the show? So, I mean, that's oh, wow. th yeah, that stuff's <laughs> in there. And I like I said, okay, look, I, I got carte blanche. It had happened over 10 years. I can't do it. And uh, it's it's been a blast. But this, um, we, we, we've we been bouncing back and forth between very, very, very silly, very goofy stuff and stuff that's a little bit more action adventure, but mm -hmm. still has a sense of humor. So that's what we're doing on that. Dan, Dan Shoning is drawing the uh, arc that I'm con uh, currently writing. So that'll be fun. It's been him that and is. then uh, him and Luis on one and then sarah meyer who uh, uh, did colors on the the miniseries and has just had a uh, graphic memoir released through a uh, traditional publisher Monst monstrous mm -hmm. i'm sorry good stuff uh so sarah is working a uh, part from dan so they're back they're they're bouncing back and forth between arcs and i'm trying to keep up with two artists <laughs> um but uh we've, we've got that and then the other thing that i'm working on is a it's a sort of sequel to a book i did with Matteo santaluco called secret history of the foot clan <laughs> Okay. This is the untold destiny of the Foot Clan. I had pitched just a simple idea of, okay, Karai, Shredder's descendant, is now fully in charge of the Foot Clan. He's gone. She's got the reins. What is she going to do? Can can I just do their first mission? And then they just kept coming up with ideas. Well, it should be this, and it should be this, and it should be this, and Mateus should draw it. It just started getting bigger and bigger. Now it's a whole event thing, and um, it's going to be up. I don't know when it's coming out first. I just found out the other day it's a bi-monthly book, so I don't have to rush the scripting as i thought i was going to nice but um i mean it's going to be you know monsters and ghosts and all mm. kinds of fun uh fantasy ninja angle of the universe as opposed to the the more sci-fi that's yeah the fun, no. that's that's the fun one uh, cool. that i have and then a uh a comic strip i do on patreon that's for for my you know my own amusement that's that's all i've been that's 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 it for the moment until you know things can turn on a dime you can have absolutely uh nothing going on for a while and all of a sudden you're working on five books wow. mm -hmm. and uh i mean last year 
I, this this is how fast something could come along. This was uh, two days after after Christmas. I got an email saying, "Would you like to write a Army of Darkness versus Reanimator miniseries?" Okay. So, so that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when do you need something by? Sue, cool. Can you uh, can you have us a a pitch by Friday? <laughs> oh yeah, I, 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 we're gonna get the pitch by Friday. This is great. Can we get the first issue in three weeks? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I, it just it it turned around that they they decided they wanted to do the book and and me to write it and it just went that quick. And I'm always grateful. I always appreciate it. Um, the only other thing that's that's on the stands that's new is the the finale of our uh, Godzilla uh, series that we uh, did. Me, Dan, and Louise. And that was super well received. Well, you know. Uh, was it? It wasn't, but uh, kids loved it, which was the the audience they were going for. And uh, there, there was there was a few folks who were like, "I'm 45 years old. Why isn't this like what I expected?" Yeah, that seems oh, to be geez. a thing. That seems to be a thing. They can't seem to separate, you know. The, I, that, well, this I mean, isn't it's, for you. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, people people have selective memory, and when you think of a Godzilla movie, one of the old 60s, 70s Godzilla movies. You will remember Godzilla in the, in the you know the big wide open field attacking the other monster, two guys in suits and and going at it. You might remember stepping on a building. You probably don't remember something like, okay, well we're going to have a live broadcast, full audience, full of families, and we're going to have the showbijin, six inch high women, just sing yeah. to you know broadcast it to the country, and nobody's going to find that weird. Yeah, like <laughs> my favorite from growing up is Godzilla vs. Megalon, and there's about five minutes of a kid oh. riding this little yeah. dolphin machine. In the I love yeah. Godzilla vs. No, Megalon. No. It's one of the worst reviewed ones, but that's yep. my favorite out of all. It's on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah. That's yes. one of the best ones. Oh my goodness! So I mean, yeah, it's we had a lot of fun, and I got to do G Fest in Chicago. It was packed. It was simulcast at Tokyo, and it was just nuts how how uh, happy the uh, folks were at that place. I guys, you know, about the book, and I guess that would be the place to find yeah. the fans. That's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. For the for the most part, it's uh, it really was well received by the by the folks we were after. And you yeah, know, that's I just, great. We, I love it. we got yeah. yeah, we got a lot of kids uh, sent pictures and appreciate it. Anyway, very oh, cool. Right? That's great. If, uh, I had one final question for you. Yep. Based on everything you've done, is there a licensed property or Marvel DC character that you haven't written for yet that you want to? Is there do you have somebody that oh man, I really wish I could write that. I, I've got great ideas or I I've I've got I mean I've got a list. I mean we've talked about Spider-Man. I'd love to write Spider-Man again. Uh it is just a character that's near and dear and affected not only my uh, sense of humor, but the fact that I know the word neurotic from six years old. Mm. Um I uh, I would love to write Moon Knight. I uh, he would be, he would be a lot of fun. He's been a lot. You know, it's it's been funny. Marvel has brought in a lot of my favorite characters the last couple of years from growing up. They brought in Moon Knight. They brought in Namor. They brought in uh, uh, Monica Rambeau, She Hulk. I mean, this is great. I love all these characters. Plastic Man would be uh, would be a fun one. Uh, the the uh, the JLI from the eighties. <laughs> the the Giffen Lee. Oh, the best. You know, Go back that to would Kui be Kui Island. Yes, I I would love mm -hmm. to write them and Indiana Jones, which is probably nice. never going to happen. But I would love to write Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, Indy nice. Indy for some reason never seems to click in comics. I don't know why that is. I, maybe it's because the movies are so kinetic and comics aren't. I don't know. It it, I, it, to... You know, it's weird. I just they never had the the same. Well, I I guess the reason they didn't have the same run as Star Wars is you can have any of a hundreds of characters yeah. star in a Star Wars book, but you need Indiana Jones for yeah. an Indy story. So. Very well, that's cool. the same thing as why why did Indiana Jones ever take off as like a video game like I don't know like Tomb Raider or anything Some, like yeah. that they just they tried to make them like but then they would make like Uncharted and stuff and you're just like no this is pretty much an Indiana Jones game mm -hmm. why can't why can't we put Indiana Jones in that role and actually make it work no like people yeah. don't seem well, to I, and that, that 
suspect that that's partly licensing stuff. You know, yeah. we want to do this. No, it's easier to do our own stuff. You know, yeah. yeah. My 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 dream, if if I ever got into comics, my dream uh, license would be all of the John Hughes Shermer Illinois characters. I actually have that a would plot. be fun. You know. The the other thing that I didn't even think of was uh, do you, do you guys remember a few years ago when uh, Darwin Cook was adapting the Parker stuff? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, we yeah. did that on our show. I I would uh, would have loved to have done the same with Elmore Leonard. Oh yeah! Oh my God! Freaky so, Deaky would be great. Yeah. Just no. a bunch of a bunch <laughs> yeah. of them would be yeah. fantastic. I mean, That's it, awesome. it would be it would be good. I I would I would enjoy that. Uh, or uh, Discworld. You know, I mean, there's so many franchises. Nice. That would be a lot of fun to adapt. And, want, uh, you know, even if I'm not the right person, I would still have fun doing no, it. I want to be Eric's great. best friend. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is cool. I, you're, you're, I, I awesome. almost got Mystery Science Theater. I wrote a pitch. Oh, did you? I wrote a pitch and they they wanted uh, too much for the license. Oh. Um, and and so I, I, I uh, who, who wrote the comic eventually was Joel. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I cannot, we did I can't feel bad. Can't about, argue uh, that. You know, you can't, can't you can't feel bad that. about losing out to Joel. Uh, yeah, you cool. know, not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the last comic shop, Eric. Where can they find you daily? Like in social media and all the interwebs. Uh, huh? Give us the four one one there, sir. My website burnamania.com. <laughs> The, the sounds awesome. doesn't sound awesome. It doesn't sound, uh, you know, obvious, uh, but uh, that's that's got links to everywhere I can be found. Um, okay. So that's yeah. the easiest way. That's the easiest way. And we hope that you stop by the last comic shop again, sir. Thank you so much for your time today. And again, you've always got fans here at the shop. So we hope that you come back. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, well, that was great talking with Eric Burnham, and uh, we hope that you stick around for more of The Last Comic Shop all of this Halloween season, because we've got wonderful uh, Halloween and spooky-related books for your listening entertainment. In any case, uh, you can do that by reviewing and subscribing over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Terrific place where you can not only get all these episodes upcoming with books like Marvel Zombies 3 and Deceased and Through the Woods. I think that's Jay's pick this year. As well as you can download some of the episodes from last year uh, featuring some awesome Halloween spooktacular stories such as Franken Castle? Did we do Franken Castle? Yeah, we Franken did Franken Castle. And somebody's killing the children. That uh, that still is very popular. Mm. And we're killing it on social media at Last Comic Shop on whatever your social media platforms may be. And we don't have recommendations this week, but we always have merch. JA, what's our merch of choice? So we've got licensed properties this week. Uh, they're all licensed by us, though. So, you know, it's yeah. a lot of last comic shop related. They're licensed players properties. Yes, that's yeah. right. But you can get the Halloween logo, right? You that's can get us. the new improved Halloween logo. We added podcast to the bottom of it so that we are distinguished from the last comic shop comic shop in Malaysia. We occasionally <laughs> have people asking us what time we're going to be open on Saturdays. <laughs> Maybe we will have like people that will fight. They'll put on their last comic shop shirts and their last comic shop podcast shirts and they'll wonder who's canon. No, what we need to do is have a collab with this Malaysian comic book shop and have some people in Malaysia buy some uh, some T-shirts and stand in front of the last comic shop Malaysian comic book store with their last comic shop podcast T-shirts. I wonder if they've adopted the logo yet. Oh, Oh, yes. (laughs) 
Right. One thing we don't want to send out is a cancellation notice, so make sure that you're uh, rate reviewing and subscribing again to The Last Comic Shop. And until next week, I was the host of most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderful Mikey Wood. And thank you so much to Eric Burnham for joining us on The Last Comic Shop today. Until next week, stay safe, stay spooky, and remember that if you're going to take a bath, it's probably not a good idea. Just leave it where it is, and you can get clean that way. Are we ever going to get rid of these dad jokes? I mean, okay, it's good advice. Don't steal somebody's bathtub. I understand. production.